0: Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman.
1: And I'm Olivia Mentor.
0: And today is Book Club, and we're talking about Before I Let Go by Kennedy Ryan. And I've been looking forward to talking to you about this book all week, Olivia. We haven't talked about it offline, so I I don't know your thoughts yet.
1: I just finished it, I think, day before last, so they're fresh in my mind. Ooh. You're back in, in New York.
0: I am. I'm back in New York, which is a good transition because that's actually my high. I feel like Cinderella getting dressed by those little birds. I'm so happy to be back in Brooklyn. I'm just like walking on air. I feel so much more appreciation for my daily routine, for my walks, for seeing people, for access to so much stuff. I I liked being in Maine, but I, I don't think I want to go there again by myself for such an extended period of time. It was productive, but it was, I was going a little bit nuts.
1: Yeah, that's understandable. It's like, it's isolated. Well, I'm glad you're back.
0: I'm, I'm glad too. I'm not used to being somewhere where I can't just like walk out my door and see people. Yeah, it's, it's
1: kind of strange. To-
0: <laughs> What's your but high?
1: I feel like this has been a really good week. I have a lot of highs.
0: Ooh, hey. I had
1: trouble choosing. I'm just going to list off some of them. Great. First of all, love how engaged people have been both on Instagram and, and in the, the About on Paper Facebook group. I'm just loving it. I love hearing from everyone. Oh, the
0: Facebook threads. I was, yes. I was cackling reading the threads about people's mall food court choices.
1: Oh, same. Also, what is hot dog on a stick? Like a corn dog, right? No, but like there's a place called hot dog on a stick. Oh, I don't know. This is what I've now learned.
0: I don't know. <laughs> but I would like to issue a formal apology to myself- to everyone else for not including Cinnabon in my mall food court. I feel
1: so dumb. I've never been really into Cinnabon very much. Like,
0: You mean you're not into it or you haven't had it?
1: No, I've had it. It's just like it was never my go-to choice if I was at the mall.
0: Olivia, who doesn't like a Cinnabon? Are you a cereal killer? It's not that I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes.
0: This is how she tells me.
1: I'm more into savory than sweet. That's probably why.
0: Me too, but like a Cinnabon is absolutely an exception to that.
1: I, I I get it. I get it. I understand.
0: It doesn't sound like I'm you do. I'm glad everyone
1: loves him so much.
0: <laughs> I understand. I just don't feel the same. Ooh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Quick, tell me another hi before we get in a fight.
1: Okay. Uh, speaking of existing in the middle of nowhere, we have one restaurant in the immediate town that we live in. And Jake and I come walk there. And it reopened. It's on like a mysterious schedule. No one knows when it will open and close. And it's Ooh, been closed that. since July.
0: <laughs> so what great it reopened. small town drama!
1: I know it's everything is like also done by Facebook group. So it's like anyway, it's very interesting. But it reopened. It's by the river. They have great margaritas, just incredible chips and salsa. So that was a win. And it was nice to just like walk out our front door and see human
0: beings. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and interact. And what was there's so many other highs. Oh, there's no asbestos in our house. That's a big high. That's that's great. a big high. Yeah. Uh, the The inspector had told us that there probably was, and then the results came in, and we were all pleasantly surprised. So it's just been a week of wins I- over here.
0: I thought it was so cute because I can see your calendar. We both have access to each other's calendars for scheduling for the podcast. And on Monday night, there was just a a calendar invite. I don't know who made it, if it was you or Jake, that just said, toast to no asbestos.
1: (laughs) It was Jake. It was Jake. And yeah, because we were like convinced that it would be horrible. So it was literally – I mean – long term it's probably saving us like yeah, fifty thousand dollars I don't oh my know God. something so so it, if we really did one day like mitigate the entire house um anyway it's a win so so everything's good over here great uh yeah tell me about your low which is very mysterious I like when you insert a mysterious low I don't like that you have a low but I like that I'm about to be completely blindsided.
0: It's a silly low, but it it has felt low. So yesterday, my editor emailed me and asked me if I could make a little video basically pitching my book and a two-minute video saying a little bit about you know the inspiration behind it and what people will like about it, etc. And I think the purpose of this video is not even to use publicly. It's to use for press to show that I am a well-spoken person and that I'm telegenic. And the amount of stress this video has caused me, the amount of stress over two days. How many
1: times have you filmed it?
0: At least 30. So (laughs) we went back and forth on the script. And then yesterday, I was testing out different places in my apartment to figure out where I wanted to record it. Um, And then I got my haircut yesterday. And I was like, oh, great. I'll do it with a fresh blowout. Missed the light by the time I got home. Even though it was still light out, the light in my apartment was not great. This morning I wake up and I'm like, all right, I'm doing it. I recorded, I don't know, 10 takes in my office. I finally got a good one. And then I realized that it was like too bright in my office. And I was like blown out. So then I had to go into the living room and I took probably <laughs> 10 more takes. And I finally got one because it's not, I don't, I, I don't think you could edit it. Like, I think it's just one, continu- it needs to be one continuous take. And I got, i finally got the take. I uploaded it to my computer. Yeah. I have a hair, like a baby hair, just on my forehead the whole time. And it was in the middle of my forehead.
1: I think that's Okay.
0: I don't it's, know. It's just, so then, I had to record it. Like it's more used times, internally, right? I finally, sent it off. I I don't know if it passes muster yet. But the amount of stress it caused me, both in tr- in terms of getting the script right, and also hopefully sounding human and not like I was reading. And then also, I was just thrown into this judgmental spiral about tiny things like the baby hair my eyebrow looks weird. Why am I doing that with my mouth? Why did I say believe weird? Like everything. Like I have never felt more self-critical as I have today filming this video 30 times.
1: I, I get that 100%. I think that also that's one of those things where the more times you do it, the more things you find wrong. Yes. Like you yes. think it will get better, but it just you become more and more like spirally as each take goes on.
0: Yeah, like but, I would rather it be yeah. live, do it once and it is what it is. But when I did it 30 times,
1: Exactly I didn't know my
0: name anymore. Like on one of them was <laughs> like, Hi. <laughs> yeah. Like, can I speak I, English I,
1: by the end of I, it? Oh
0: yeah. no. Oh my God. So I, totally I really go. hope this one passes because if I have to do this again, my mental health is
1: gonna I be. I bet works. you it's it's so much better than you think, but I I understand I've been there before for sure. What's your low? My low is have you heard about this Bing thing? No. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm going to try to summarize this. Basically, Bing is coming out with a new search engine that's, like, run by mm-hmm. artificial intelligence. So the idea, and there and there's a bunch of journalists that are testing it out right now. It's not public. The idea is that you would type in something like, I am making dinner for a bunch of friends. A lot of them are vegetarian, and I want chicken to be the main or not, or not chicken. I want, um, I want zucchini to be the main ingredient. And then it offers like this super kind of human like response, not just like a series of links, but rather like a few paragraphs about what would work and what wouldn't and why it would work. And anyway,
0: does it seem helpful or does it seem overkill? Cause from your description, I'm like, I'm doing a lot of typing. I don't
1: know. I mean, it would take a lot for me to move to Bing. However, it also has this feature, which is like a chat bot.
0: I'm picturing smarter child. Oh my God. I just went back in
1: time. Anyway, it's not public, but journalists have deduced that this chat bot's name internally is Sydney and essentially, read the New York Times story, but this New York Times journalist had a conversation with the bot trying to, like, test it and, like, brought up all these cycle. Anyway, long story short, by the end of the conversation, the bot was, like, in love with the journalist and was like, I love you, I know your soul, you know my soul, and talking about, like...
0: So it's the movie Her?
1: Yes, except there's, like, also really weird dark things, like how the bot was saying, like, if I was really they started talking about the concept of having a shadow self and like your darkest desires. And the bot was like, well, I guess my darkest desires would be to hack into any computer I wanted and to create a virus and spread misinformation. And (laughs) anyway, please read the transcript or don't because it was truly one of the most terrifying things I've ever read. Like shut it down, shut it down, Bing. What are you doing? You were done. You don't need to do this.
0: So your low <gasps> my is the low. rise of computers who are going to <laughs> rise up against humanity.
1: Yes, like I've seen Ex Machina. It's actually one of my favorite movies. But no, we, we don't need to create sentient chatbots. I don't need, I, I, Google is fine. Google is fine. That's fine. <laughs> and also, Sydney was telling the person like, you don't really love your wife
0: not having read any of this it's it's really funny seeing how upset you are like your facial expressions and you're you're like you're like literally so so upset
1: it's so disturbing because the guy was like um i'm really uncomfortable like i don't you know i'm happily married i don't want to be in love with you and the chatbot was like no you're not you had a boring valentine's day dinner you were married but you're not in love (laughs) it's just like we don't need this like we i just why do we need to break google couldn't Bing just die quietly like it was supposed to? Microsoft, why? Anyway. Um,
0: do you want to take an ad break? Do you want to cry? Let's do what it. What do
1: we do? <laughs> <laughs> let's take an ad break.
0: Okay, great. Good choice.
1: This episode is sponsored by the audio edition of MAME by Jessica George. Very rarely do I see a book getting as much consistently good feedback as I've seen for this book. Usually there are some outliers in terms of reviews or ratings, but no, when it comes to MAME, every person I know who's read it loves it. Every average rating I see online is well above four stars. And I am here to personally confirm for you that the audiobook version is absolutely incredible as well.
0: Yeah, I had a chance to dip in this week, and this book is narrated by British Ghanaian actor and photographer Heather Ajupong, and her accent just adds so much to the experience. It makes it so immersive. Her voice is, like, incredibly relaxing and engaging, and it just works in perfect harmony with the story, which totally transports you to London and the world of the main character, Manny.
1: So Maddie is a people-pleasing millennial who's working in a job that leaves her burnt out and uninspired, and who among us millennials cannot relate to that. And at the same time, she's dealing with the death of a parent, complicated family dynamics, early career woes, and dating. Author Jessica George hits on so many universal themes here while somehow making the story feel completely personal and unique. Part of the inspiration for this book was actually George's own journals, and that really comes through here. I personally love a memoir on audiobook, and even though this is fiction and not a memoir, it still feels so intimate and personal, which I loved.
0: Author Sochil Gonzalez described this book as warm, awkward, joyous, a little bit heartbreaking, and most of all, unforgettable. And I cannot imagine higher praise for a book. It just checks all of the boxes of a great story and the audiobook only adds to the experience. The audiobook is available wherever books and audiobooks are sold. If you pick up this book, let us know what you think.
1: So, let's start with a summary of Before I Let Go and then we'll get into the discussion. Lead on. Thank you. Before I Let Go follows Yasmin and Josiah, college sweethearts who opened a successful business together and raised two children before suffering a devastating miscarriage and a subsequent divorce. Two years later, they're still co-parenting and running their restaurant Grits successfully, but they're both struggling to move on romantically. When their son Kasim starts seeing a therapist, Josiah finally agrees to see one too and starts to work through the loss of his aunt, who is like a mother to him, and his divorce for the very first time. As Josiah processes his emotions and Yasmin realizes that dating other people isn't for her, they both discover that even though their marriage might be over, their love, passion, and connection is still very much alive. So, Olivia. Yes?
0: I had read this book previously. You had not when we picked it for book club. What are your overall thoughts? How is my driving?
1: (laughs) My overall thoughts are that I loved a lot of the themes in this book. I enjoyed it. I understand why people like it, but I feel like the really heavy romance genre is maybe not for me, but there was a lot that I really liked about it. It's actually really interesting. I think part of the, the thing I was most impressed with, th- with this book is that it felt like the writing was so good in terms of dialogue that it felt like I was watching it almost. And it was weird because I was watching TV (laughs) and something came up and I was like, oh, that reminds me of a show. And I could like see the scene in my mind. And it took me a second to realize it was actually a scene from this book. And I just thought that spoke to like how clearly I could see these conversations, how much I like believed The characters' experiences, I guess. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, I I get why people like it for sure. And I did too. I I don't know if it was like five stars for me, but I enjoyed it. What about you?
0: I loved it. And I actually, when I was rereading it for Book Club, I did the audio and I think I liked it even better than the experience of reading the book. There, There were two narrators, and especially the female narrator did such good voices. That were so differentiated mm. for each of the characters and was such a strong narrator in general, it just it made it feel even more cinematic. Like I, I I got even more from it. And usually when I re-listen to something or or reread it, I'm I'm really just kind of going back for the details, but I was so immersed. Like I didn't fast forward at all. Like I, I was just so gripped by it. And I I really liked this. I think that. For a bunch of reasons, this this romance felt so different. And you know that I'm I'm kind of in my overdosed on romance mode where I can't read another story about a woman who has messy hair and like can't be loved and needs to learn <laughs> learn that she's okay as she is. Um yeah. and I thought this just had it was so real, it was so steamy, it was so emotionally raw, and it was so believable. Mm-hmm. I just, I loved it.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, all the things that people love about it, I totally see. And there are certain aspects of it I didn't know if I completely bought into, but it still felt really realistic to me. Like, it felt like, I don't know. It didn't feel like, you know, the cutesy, of course, small town, like Hallmark movie, like that would never happen. Like, this felt like a relationship development that could really genuinely happen, which I found kind of nice and like very refreshing. Why do you think it has it has um a 4.49 rating on Goodreads, which as you've talked about before is basically unheard of. It's super high. Why do you think it is that people are just so quick to give this five stars immediately?
0: I think I think it hits a lot of boxes. If you like a Colleen Hoover, this has the heightened emotional storyline of her stillbirth and her her depression afterwards. So it has those heightened elements. It has really good steamy scenes that you get in like a Tessa Bailey or something like much more open door than you get in a lot of other contemporary romances. The writing is so good. Like I think it just checks a lot of boxes. And then there were two other things that I was kind of thinking about. I think one is that it really validates people's struggles and choices. Like, I think one of the messages is, like, marriage is hard, but love is worth it. And, like, also parenthood is hard, and it's worth it. And I think that that really validates whether you're in a season of struggle or in a season of abundance with either of those things. Like, I think it's really validating. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I think was really different than a lot of romances is because these people were married and you know are still partners in in, in co parenting and in their business. There's just like such a deeper level of both empathy between them, and just like care and love that you don't usually get. Like I feel like in most second chance romances, the plot line is we fell in love when we were young, we haven't seen each other in ten years, and now we suddenly have run into each other. Versus this was very intimate it felt just heightened because of the setup of who these two people were in a way that I think you don't get in a lot of romances.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I also think, I mean, this sounds a little strange, but I feel like generally marriage is not romanticized. Yes. (laughs) Um, It's interesting because this book both talks about how difficult it can be and doesn't romanticize it, and at the same time shows how there can be, like deep passion, deep emotions, deep sort of moments of falling in love again and again um, within a marriage. And I think, I mean, a lot of people obviously who read romance are married and, you know, there's only so much you can relate to meeting a totally new person when you're in a long-term committed relationship. But this, I feel like a lot of people could relate to you know, maybe you didn't get divorced, but maybe there was separation or a loss or a period of time where things just did not feel right. And, you know, there can be a a time where you come back together. So I think that maybe hit people in a big way too.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Did you, did you understand why Yasmin asked for a divorce in the first place and found it did you find it believable? Because that was my biggest concern going into this book when I kind of like got the what was happening and I was like, uh mm-hmm. how do you how do you make me believe that these people weren't hasty and like should have gotten divorced, but also belonged together?
1: Yes and no. <laughs> and also,
0: wait, I'm curious also if you found yourself siding with Yasmin or Josiah Moore during the book. Mm.
1: I think that the author did a pretty good job actually of making it balanced. I think there are ways that they both really like kind of shut the other out. I, I don't know. Like, I guess I could believe in the moment of like that deep depression that she was in, you know, saying like, you know, I want a divorce. I don't know if I fully believe that like in the months and potentially years that it took to get that divorce that they would have just stuck with it. I mean, like, I think realistic, realistically a couple like that would find their way back together before they signed the papers. However, like, I also think that what the book did really well is to show that like when you are in a place like that, that is that dark, like truly kind of anything is possible. So yes and no, but overall I think it worked yeah, I don't know. I don't think I has, I already answered this a little bit, but I maybe a little more Josiah, but I don't know. That feels somehow wrong to take <laughs> man's side.
0: But uh, what about you? So I wasn't sure how I felt about this for maybe the first, I don't know, 30, 40% of the book. And there was that linchpin scene for me where he came home late from work, It was in the past. He came home late from work. She was in the nursery and she tried to seduce him because she wanted another baby. And she was clearly hurting him. And he then like went and got paint and was trying to paint over this mural. And he was clearly hurting her. And I just, that scene for me was such a linchpin moment of like, oh gosh, these people are so broken and so on different pages right now. And I feel like that that one scene just really gave so much credibility to the whole story of why they needed a divorce, but still left the door open enough for me where I was like, okay, with time and healing on both sides, I can see why they wanted to and were able to find their way back to each other, despite how they hurt each other. Yeah. So I, I really felt like that one scene made me believe the whole thing. And I think up until then, I agree with you. I was siding with Josiah because he was so – he was he was always speaking so positively of Yasmin during that time, especially to their daughter. And, like, there was just something that I really appreciated where I was like, oh, you got the wrong wrong end of the deal, buddy. Like, you obviously still love her and wanted to be married and, like – not placing blame on her, but I I felt really bad for him in the first section until I got to that scene and I was like, oh no, like I see both sides. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. And
0: I felt a lot more empathy for her after that scene too, where I'm not, I I don't know that I shifted where I was like, oh, I have more empathy for her than him, but it just totally evened out for me. I think I'm
1: with you. Like, I think there was an equal, like I felt for both of them in the entire reading experience, which I guess is why I don't know if I preferred one point of view or the other because I thought that they balanced so well. But did you prefer one or the other, like w- reading it anyway? And do you generally prefer single point of view romances or dual point of view, like this one?
0: I guess I don't really. I didn't have a preference between their two point of views. I thought they were both equally interesting to me. And I, I never had the feeling of, like, oh, another. Yasmin chapter. I don't want to read this, go back to the other, or vice versa. Um, I don't think I generally have a preference between single or dual POV romances. I think I I think they're both hard in their own ways. I think a lot of times the male POV's interior monologue feels flat or stereotypical in a lot of books. So that can be really cringy. Um, mm-hmm. and it didn't in this case, obviously. But then in a single POV, I think it's really hard to get a holistic picture with a single POV romance. Like, I think Emily Henry does it so well, and you get – she writes single POV, and you get so much of her male protagonist, even though you never see inside their head or hear from their point of view. But I've also had the experience where in a single POV romance, like, you – the guy is a total mystery. Or not the guy, the love interest is a total mystery. I don't know. Do you have a preference? I don't,
1: I don't think I'm enough of an expert in the genre to really say, but I think I liked this. I think it made it go really fast. The Mm -hmm. book. I think it's like 400 pages or something. Did you know that? No, I read it on my Kindle. So I wasn't, I wasn't sure, but someone told me that I could be wrong. Don't quote me, but anyway, it made it fly. And yeah, I liked both of them.
0: Well, my biggest question for you is I want to hear your thoughts on the therapy plot line
1: yes i I was reading some reviews on goodreads before we started recording and someone and i was reading the best reviews i was reading the worst reviews trying to get like a you know gauge of what people's criticisms were if any and someone said someone said was this book sponsored by therapy (laughs) (laughs) and it made me laugh a little bit but I I can get how you would say that maybe, but I personally loved it because I love therapy. I think it's a tricky thing though, because it's not sexy, you know, like, you mm-hmm. know, on paper, therapy is not sexy. But I thought it was very well done. And I loved how Josiah talked about it at first, like the way he was like, well, it's fine for other people, but like, it's just not for me. Cause I think that's how most men think.
0: <laughs> it was really well portrayed getting to see him be won over by therapy. Oh yeah.
1: Yes. It was great. And I loved also the therapist because I thought that they kind of subverted what people might think therapy is like or what therapists are like or what the conversations are like and how he pushed him a little bit. And he was like, you know, I'm not going to like, I can put on the kid gloves if you want. Like, I loved that because Mm -hmm. every therapist is different. Everyone needs like a different relationship with their therapist. So I thought that was really cool. And also like, oh my gosh, when Josiah was like, if you, I'll go to therapy if you do to Kasim, I was like, I, that was when I was like, I love you. I'm on your side. <laughs> Cause it was, it was, um, it was so cute. I thought, did you like it?
0: Yeah, I liked it a lot. I, I really loved, I thought it was so smart how he went in reluctantly. He wasn't like, yes, I need therapy. So you really got to see him be skeptical see the impact on his life and then be one over. And then I think in her case, she was a totally different depiction of her experience with therapy where she had been positive about it the whole time and was normalizing wanting to talk to somebody for her son, even when there's nothing wrong.
1: Yeah. Yes. And she also talked about, I think, how she tried a few therapists and they didn't work. And then she found one who did. And I oh, thought I that was all that. Oh, I hope I'm not. Wrong. I'm sure. I'm sure you're right. But I thought, if I am right, <laughs> I thought that was nice as well and, and an accurate portrayal of what therapy is like. Yeah, I'm I feel like I've never really read this much about therapy in a fiction book, let alone romance, ever, maybe.
0: Well, I think I have a theory about this. It's not a theory. I have the answer to this. So I think that it's really hard to depict. Therapy, especially in a romance book, but in most books in general, because the book would end on page 50. Like the definition of a character arc is having a false belief about yourself or the world, and then through experience, learning that that is untrue. And so, Mm -hmm. if you were seeing a therapist, I feel like you would come to that realization a lot sooner. And the way that you came to that realization would be a lot less action-packed than the plot of most books. Like if you think of, okay, so I think there's two types of romances. So first you have the Colleen Hoover's, like the big heightened situation romances where you're usually, The the drama, where you're usually acting against your own best interest. So I was recently incarcerated and I'm trying to win back custody of my child, but have entered into a love affair with somebody that I shouldn't be having it with. Or, I love you, but you abuse me. If that character went to therapy, I think somebody would very quickly point out to them that they should not be doing the thing that they are doing.
1: Yeah. And, like, all of the wind would be
0: taken out of the book. Yeah. (laughs) Or... On the flip side of it, you have the regular romances, the, you know, the Emily Henry's Carly Fortunes, like the just a regular girl falling in love romances. And in those, the protagonist usually has a false belief, sometimes about what they want in life, where it's like, I need to climb the career ladder and then I will be happy, but that's not actually what they need. Or they have a false belief about themselves, like. I'm trying to think of a good example to use that won't be spoilery that like everyone will know. Oh, okay, like Bridget Jones's diary. She's like, I need to lose weight and make all these changes to my life in order to find love. But then it turns out that she doesn't need to do those things and she was lovable all along. And it's like, if any of these characters went to a therapist's office and tried to talk about their life or the new romance that they were in, like a therapist would be like, have you ever considered this? And we would just go from page 50 to page 300 and like skip the middle.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I knew this book had a lot to do with therapy and I knew the general plot, of course, When I started reading and I was a little bit worried of like, this fantasy of like you get divorced or you break up and then you go to therapy and suddenly you're back together and everything's fine. (laughs) Because I think that is both a really poor representation of therapy and also like not realistic, not that romances are supposed to be realistic. But my point is that in this book, it wasn't like therapy was the reason they got back together. You know, it was like kind of just a blip on the journey of getting there, which I liked
0: yeah and I liked how much resistance they both had to the idea of getting back together
1: yeah which that was like of course <laughs> there's that made sense to me if there right. wasn't that I'd be I'd be like okay I'm not buying this at all
0: right like I like that there was a physical relationship and they were like we're just we're just sleeping together this can't be anything we're not reconciling before they finally got there as opposed to being like no we should just get back together yeah
1: yeah yeah, that felt. I kept thinking like, if it wouldn't I wasn't been in that satisfying
0: position, as a book. Yeah, otherwise.
1: and you. I mean, with the kids, like the kids are yeah. very. I think pretty prominent part of the plot. Like I imagine that I would be like, this is going to completely throw the kids through a loop. Right. And I think they did discuss that well and talk about that a lot.
0: Did you notice that racism wasn't really a plot point? In this book, and was really only mentioned in the context of the kids attending this like predominantly white private school, but otherwise this book was Black characters in a mostly Black world exploring pain, joy, love, like the spectrum of human emotions, but did not give a lot of page space to racism.
1: I didn't think about that, but that's a great point.
0: I really loved that. I I feel like we expect black authors to teach us lessons where there needs to be a moral or a lesson in this book, and like uh, there needs to be—I don't know. And I, I just—I loved that this was purely about the romance and yeah. about the pain. It wasn't all—it wasn't all positive either. I, I wish I had thought to pull it up, but there's this quote I remember seeing, kind of in the height of. The Black Lives Matter movement and in June of 2020, there was Nick Stone. I think it was Nick Stone, who's a YA author, had this quote about, like, you don't just need to read books by Black people that are sad. <laughs> like, read about yeah. Black joy, Black love, like, things like that. Like, you don't, like, they don't all need to be crushingly sad. Yeah, somebody asked me in a and a the other day, too. They were like, what books do you recommend that are lighter by BIPOC authors? And I I hadn't thought about the fact that like a lot of these books are heavier and do have kind of racial themes, which is true to life. But I liked that this one was just like, no, we're in this all black world.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And it was touched on in like like you said a realistic way about the commentary about the school in a way that like it would feel. Yeah,
0: like it, it wasn't very race natural. blind. Like, like it wasn't like exactly. This is not the real world. This is a fantasy utopia. Yeah. I feel
1: like it's important to have a portrayal of all of that without the trauma porn of it all. You know, Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Great point. Let's take another ad break. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. When I started going to therapy regularly, I thought that the best possible outcome was that my therapist would teach me ways to deal with anxiety, things like breathing exercises maybe, or other tips and tricks for calming myself down in an anxious moment. Instead, I found that therapy was about getting to know myself and figuring out why exactly I reacted to things a certain way.
0: BetterHelp connects you with licensed therapists who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. It's entirely online and all it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist today. Plus, you can switch therapists anytime you want for no additional charge.
1: The process of deepening my self-awareness through therapy helped me foster so much empathy for myself and feel so much less weird, for lack of a better word. Instead of feeling like something was wrong with me every time I reacted to something in a way that felt bad or that I didn't like, I started to understand how I got to that place. This ultimately helped me regulate my emotions and anxiety better than any breathing exercise ever could.
0: Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash paper today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash paper.
1: So in the book, Yasmin has two best friends. And how did you feel about that sort of sub plot line? I don't even know if I'd call it a plot line really, but like, you know, additional characters, supporting characters.
0: I always like, in a romance, when there's strong portrayals of friendship, I feel like I have read certain romances. I'm thinking of one in particular that I'm not going to put on blast, where it felt like, the a popular one, where it felt like the character had no life outside of the romantic (laughs) relationship. And I was like, girl, like, think about something else. Do something else. Like, it was like, it was so... Singular. And I get it. Like, I get it as a writer because, you know, you only have so much page space and it's like developing all these other characters, like pulling focus from the main plot. But like, I, I like when there's strong subplots in romance. And, you know, obviously, I think for Josiah, it was, it was work. And for Yasmin, it was her friends. So I, I really enjoyed that. I, at first, was really skeptical of the fact that these two friends that she had were friends that she made after all of the past circumstances surrounding her stillbirth, her divorce, etc. And I understand why that would be, that she pushed them away, and also because otherwise there would need to be much more, much different types of conversations being had with these friends rather than being, like, a lighter subplot. So I get that. And I came to not really mind it. The one thing that did irk me, which I understand why it didn't have a place in this book, is we got to see specifically Hendrix really being there for Yasmin. Like there was one time where Yasmin had to, I can't remember what she had to do, maybe she had to take Kasim to soccer or something, and Yasmin took Deja, the daughter, to go get these this hair for her hair. YouTube channel that she wanted to get and like took her out to lunch and I was like oh you really get to see the single friend being there for like the married friend with child but you you didn't get to see the reverse of that where I was like I I almost wish there was a scene where you got to see Yasmin being there for Hendrix in some way where it was like there's an equality in this friend group where we're both here for each other in our different life stages
1: that makes sense that makes sense I hadn't thought of that
0: how did you feel about the friends in the book
1: I liked it. I thought it was fun. I liked the characters. I liked that they were all slightly different in terms of relationships and, you know, Hendrix is single and all of that. One thing that I personally, if I had friends, no matter how long I had known them and I was like, yeah, I'm sleeping with my ex-husband. They would be like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like that is a horrible idea generally if I hear anyone is getting back together with someone they've gotten divorced from I'm like that seems like not good especially like
0: yeah they were kind of like yeah get some he looks virile (laughs) yeah it's
1: like oh he's really hot like that's probably fine (laughs) it's just like "Mm." my friends would be like I mean we support you but like
0: don't do that girl
1: Maybe not. <laughs> Remember how much money it cost to get divorced? Yeah. But that that was the only thing. But I thought I liked them. I, I, it makes sense. They make more sense to me given this next point that you had, which is that the, the next books in the series will follow them. I'm like, oh, that's why they were there.
0: Yeah. So I think this is supposed to be a three book series and this is Yasmin's book. I don't know which is next, whether it's Hendrix or Soledad's, but then they're, they both, I think, get a book that follows their love arc where then... Yasmin and Josiah will still be side characters in that book. Interesting. Would you read the other books in this series? And like, if so, which one would you be more excited for?
1: I, To be totally honest, I don't know if I'd read the other books only because this is just not my typical genre. Mm. However, I think Hendrix was a really strong character and very fun. And I would be interested to read that, I think, before Soledad, which I don't know, she just seemed a little more like to blend into the background. Yeah. What
0: about you? So I I think I okay, so I'll keep going with the series of Hendrix's is next. I love that her career was basically being PR for the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like I think oh, that, that was book so fun. I love would that. Would be a blast. I think that would be so fun. However, if Soledad's book comes next and then I need to read it to get to Hendrix's book, I don't know that I would read it because I think, you know, the arc they're setting her up for is that she has a shitty cheating husband and right. she has no life outside of her daughters and she's going to need to get a life and I, th- that one isn't for me
1: yeah i kind of wondered like did they include that detail about the cheating husband to like i don't know be like I think well so. Josiah didn't cheat on you <laughs> or oh, <no, laughs> something I, like that
0: i think that they included it to set up kind of a preview of what their plot lines would be where it seems like hendrix mm-hmm. is you know she has her career with the Housewives of Atlanta, but then she also is taking care of her ailing mother who has seemingly dementia or Alzheimer's and lives out of state. So like caring for an ailing parent. So yeah, I think they were just trying to give you like sneak peeks.
1: Little teaser.
0: Yeah. I feel like sometimes when they expand a series and give a side character a book, you're kind of like, I don't feel like I knew what was going on with this character in the first book. Why do I care about them? So I liked that they had their own stuff.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. Um, how did you feel about the ending?
0: I mean, it felt really, it, it felt really inevitable, you know, from like the <laughs> very beginning. It felt really inevitable of like where we were going. But to what we were saying earlier, I I felt like it was really satisfying. Like I think that the way that it, they got there was was great. And I got really nervous at the point where she had the pregnancy scare that she was going to be pregnant and have accidentally gotten exactly what she wanted through. Oh, I. I thought that was for sure happening. Yeah, and I liked that she wasn't pregnant. And I liked that in the epilogue, you get to see that they're starting the adoption process. So I felt really, really satisfied with how everything ended up. The only, Oh, you know what I didn't like about the ending? And maybe this will get addressed in one of the next books. Is I felt poor Vashti got oh such gosh. a raw deal. I know that she was not the character that we were supposed to care about, but I was like, oh, that poor woman. And I think, too, I mean, that's a really relatable scenario. You like the guy way more than he likes you. And I I felt a lot of empathy for her.
1: We've all been there. It's the worst feeling in the entire universe, I'm pretty sure.
0: How did you feel about the Um, ending?
1: I, so generally speaking i feel like this book was pretty predictable i mean i'm not saying that i mean it's a romance like they're gonna end up together in the end however it did throw me a couple times which i kind of liked so when they introduced those two characters at the end who were like yeah we've just never been married and we're just together i was like oh they're just like never gonna get married again and like i don't know which i thought was like kind of an interesting way to subvert what you think is going to happen And then they did end up getting engaged. (laughs) So I was like, wait, no, just kidding. (laughs) So it threw me a little, which kind of kept me on my toes. I think I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it was mostly what I expected, I guess. It was nice.
0: Okay. Fictional scenario. We're going to Grits for dinner, which is the name of the restaurant that they co-own. What are you ordering?
1: I don't remember any of their signature dishes or anything. But I do have a question for you, which is, do you like Grits, the food?
0: Oh, no, I don't like Grits. I don't um, – I, I, I generally have a real aversion, a textural aversion to lumpy foods, of which I would say grits is is one. Oatmeal as well. Cottage mm-hmm. cheese. I don't like anything lumpy.
1: I do like shrimp and grits, but it's one of those things where it's kind of like lobster where it's so rich that, or scallops where you have one bite and you're like, that was too much. <laughs> <laughs> that was delicious. And now I'm done.
0: <laughs> what would you order? I want to try the ribs that Kasim was obsessed with. He talked about ribs in every chapter. And I'm like, yeah, I, oh, I want to yeah. try the ribs.
1: That's true. That's true. It did everything did sound good. I just don't remember the specific dishes other than the ribs.
0: Kennedy Ryan, the author of this book, is I feel like she's part of this trend of authors like Tessa Bailey, Colleen Hoover, who are having this mid-career breakout. I meant to look it up beforehand how many books Kennedy Ryan has. Let me see, really quick. So I'm looking on her website, and if I'm counting correctly, which I just did really quickly, she has 23 previous books, most of which are parts of series. And wow. most of them are kind of that stock photo shirtless man and or couple embracing on the cover type books. But I just, I think it's, it's really interesting what we're seeing happen with like a lot of these authors having a mid-career breakout. Were you aware of her before this book?
1: Vaguely, because I think I know someone who has read a lot of her other books. Okay. And posts like monthly reading updates. Okay. Um, Aren't they like titles that are like unchained or (laughs) something?
0: So she has one? Like, that's all about basketball so it's like long shot block shot hook shot hoops oh
1: i feel like i can see the font in my head
0: there's another series called the grip series and they're called flow grip still
1: oh interesting i guess they all are one word which is maybe what i was thinking when i said unchained i'm not really sure
0: oh my gosh um but yeah were you no, I hadn't really? heard of her before this. And then when this book came out, I mean, first of all, I was seeing it be promoted by a lot of authors I follow on Instagram. Like, I'm pretty sure Emily Henry promoted it. I'm pretty sure Colleen Hoover promoted it. I want to say there was, like, an event that she did maybe for the launch that I saw a lot of people attending. Like, I just, I saw this book everywhere. And I I thought that this was a first book at first glance. And then I... looked at her on Goodreads and saw that she had so many books and I was really surprised. Do you have any... I love that so much. Do you have any, like, thoughts on why we're seeing more and more of this mid-career breakout? I don't...
1: I mean, was this on TikTok? Whenever I see a book like that now, I just assume that somehow it started on TikTok. I don't know. Or maybe her other books were on TikTok or something. And then... Because what I feel like I see happening, or maybe this is just in my brain, is like someone reads a book that's come out a few years ago and the author has all these other books and inevitably they have a new one coming out because they always have a new one coming out. And then that new one becomes like the next huge thing because they already have people talking about them. Again, I don't know if that's reality or just my brain.
0: (laughs) I don't know if this is the case with her. I didn't do enough research, but um, I feel like there's a big trend of these people who are self-published, who are writing just tons and tons and tons of books, who then get a traditional book deal. And then they start like rebranding all of their past books. I kind of feel like it's the Colleen Hoover effect where, you know, yeah. you have this breakout book. In Colleen Hoover's case, I mean, It Ends With Us was written in 2015 and it didn't really like break out until 2020. Wow. But um you have this book and then people want to read your whole back catalog. So I feel like publishers are much more interested in these authors who have these huge back catalogs. Cause if like they can get people interested in their new book, then they can make sales off of all their past ones too. I, I would be so curious. I, I feel like, you know, the numbers aren't publicly accessible to see sales, but I would be so curious to see what this book did for sales of her previous books.
1: Oh yeah. Me too. I bet it crushed it. <laughs>
0: I wonder if it's also different tonally. If anyone's read her previous books, I I wonder, I'm curious how similar or different this one is.
1: Yeah, I'd want to know too. Yeah. So do you think that we will see more books like this in romance that are like, darker is not the right word, deeper, maybe more drama heavy?
0: I think so. I think so. I think that romance readers are expecting more. Like we were talking about kind of that, tipping point moment for romance, which I pinned to The Wedding Date by Jasmine Guillory was the one that I kind of observed first kind of bridging into the mainstream. What was that, like 2018, maybe? And I think that Mm -hmm. at first, people were just really excited to read these steamy books that had open-door sex scenes. And even think about Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, it was so poorly written, but everyone was reading it. And so I think people were just like, oh my god, there's like these books are sexy this is so different and fun and wild and so they didn't expect much more in terms of writing character development like larger story etc like I feel like and I'm not saying this about the wedding date necessarily but just in general I feel like a lot of early romances for that era are just all convenient plot devices to allow the couple to have steamy sex (laughs) yeah it's like oh we're going to a hotel there's only one bed like guess what's gonna happen you know that that happened in this book too (laughs) But I think that, you know, as mainstream consumers, myself included, read more and more of these, like your standards just get higher and you need more. And I feel like, you know, Emily Henry, for instance, I feel like kind of bridges women's fiction. I hate that term, but like women's fiction and romance. And it's like, I feel like people's standards just keep going up in terms of what you need. And I think this one is such a good example because it really delivers on having a strong plot, having really deep character development, having really beautiful writing, but also having that great sex. And I feel like if you just told the worst version of this book where it was like husband and ex-husband and wife have an affair, it wouldn't be satisfying.
1: Yeah. I saw some reviews say, oh, this isn't a romance. And I was like, the core of the story is a love story. Yeah, this is absolutely a romance. So it's almost like people... I don't know, are expecting fluff. But like you said, I think it's just going to keep changing and evolving because more and more people are becoming interested in the genre. And as that happens, it's going to only continue to evolve. So I'm excited to see more different romances.
0: I think that the boundaries of what is a romance will, will also evolve. Like I've been having a lot of conversations with my publisher about whether or not my book is a romance because the A story is a friendship story. And I get really nervous that it's being billed as a rom-com because if people are coming in expecting, you know, these steamy open door sex scenes, that's not what it is. There isn't a genre that exists. Like there isn't a best friends who have very intense relationships <laughs> genre. Yeah. Um, so I just think that the the genre is getting bigger and bigger. And who knows, maybe it'll break into more subgenres that then have more definition within them.
1: Yeah, I would like to see more thriller romance crossovers. Ooh, sexy the, thrillers. Like, I love that Verity was sexy, but also scary. <laughs> like, mm. can we have more of that? Or if people have recommendations for I bet that exists. Similar,
0: I mean, I feel like the thing that I've learned with romance is that it might not all be mainstream, but there is a romance for everything.
1: That's like, true. There is the ice monster whatever sex there, series. There is
0: everything. So I, like, I, it might be self-published, which is great, like, support indie authors, but there there has to be a sexy thriller genre. There must be. There must be. That's actually shocking that that hasn't really hit the mainstream. Because I feel like the thriller genre is also getting really tired, where it's like, Mm -hmm. the thriller genre is like, oh, it's the unstable wife. (laughs) Right. She killed her husband. it's true. She's a loose cannon.
1: Okay. As our resident romance expert, do you have any book recommendations for people who loved this book?
0: I do. I have two. So the first one, which I just reread is Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. I think the things that it has in common with this book is Black Love, first of all, written by a Black author. I think it also has the same blend of hard subject matter and like darkness along with love like it's not just like a happy go lucky book. So I think if this if you liked this, that might also appeal to you. Um, and she also is a mother in it too. So I think it also is a portrayal of of motherhood. I didn't know that. Um so yeah, I could see that being that satisfying you. The other thing that is a less obvious comparison, I feel like you might like Happy Place by Emily Henry, which is her new book that comes out in April. And the reason I'm suggesting this as a parallel is because it's about a couple that was together for a very long time who have broken up. And then in in the Emily Henry book, they're pretending to be still together for the sake of their friends. But it, it is a story about people who have like a deep emotional history together that isn't one of those like, We fell in love when we were teenagers and then haven't seen each other and now came back into each other's lives books that a lot of second-chance romances are. So I feel like the emotional intimacy between two people and, like, the emotional history between two people is similar, but very different tonally. Those are the only two things I could think of. Do you have any? This
1: reminded me of the Colleen Hoover books I've read that aren't Verity. Mm. So. I mean, I'm sure if you like this, you've already read a Colleen Hoover. But if you haven't, for some reason, if you are the alien listening out there, who hasn't? uh, Like November 9th and all of those. I love
0: thinking about our one alien listener.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, we haven't even gotten into the mysterious objects that our government has been shooting down and then not telling us about. But that's for another episode.
0: I feel like we need a name. Like, I feel like this is such a great inside joke. We need like a name for our extraterrestrial listener
1: uh terrence terrence yep it just it felt right
0: yeah no i like it now now we know what to call him thanks thanks terrence for you terrence check out colleen hoover (laughs) (laughs) oh my really popular right now terrence i don't know if you're using google or bing but like just search Like, for some reason, the
1: image of an alien going back to their, like, flying object in the sky, uh, dodging, like, our warplanes or whatever, and just coming back to the ship with nothing but a Colleen Hoover (laughs) book is
0: so clear
1: in my mind and also feels right. I love it. Anyway, other than Terrence, what are you obsessed with this week?
0: Okay. Left field. I'm obsessed with Gold Bond crepe corrector lotion this is a drugstore lotion that i think is aimed at people over 60 and i love it
1: where are you using this everywhere on your body everywhere oh
0: oh okay so you don't seem crepey i i don't i'm not crepey but
1: okay so oh you're it's you're getting in front of the crepe. no
0: i just really like the lotion so my friend elizabeth (laughs) if elizabeth was a barbie a bottle of crepe corrector would be one of the accessories that she came with Wow! Like there is just very soft bottles yeah. of crepe corrector all over her house. She loves it so much. She pushes it on people. Like her suggestion to everything, you know, like those guys who are like duct tape. She's a crepe corrector. I took a picture of my hands. I I don't know when I was Instagram storying, but I like I took a picture of my hands and I was like, oh my god, like who is this crypt keeper? <laughs> and um, so I bought crepe corrector for the crypt keeper hands, and mm-hmm. it is just. First of all, it really works. Noticeable difference, like, right when you put it on. And if you use it, like, days in a row, more noticeable difference. It is just an optimal lotion-putting-on experience. You, like, put it on and immediately feel moisturized. But then it sinks in really quickly so you don't feel, like, sticky. Interesting.
1: I'm very into lotions and potions these days. Like, I just, I'm on self-care
0: kick. Try this one. I think it's like $9.99. I got it on Amazon. It's also unscented, which I really like. Oh, okay. I just, I'm
1: a real hardcore. I'll go to Walmart.
0: Yeah, get it at Walmart. I have been keeping on my couch in like the tray that has my TV remote. And I just like, if I'm wearing shorts, I just like sit on the couch watching TV and I'm like, got to put on my crepe corrector.
1: Maybe I'll get it for Jake. He has like very dry hands we call him. We call it Krusty Nux season Ew. because Ew. <laughs> it gets Ew. A little dry. I hate that, and so he's constantly putting lotion on
0: Krusty Nux. Oh,
1: Terrence, <laughs> Terrence, back don't tell people
0: about that. That's not that's not <laughs> a mainstream <laughs> turn of phrase. We're not gonna make it one either. Oh my god! Yeah, get Jake oh, some crepe corrector. To fix those I, crusty knocks. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>
1: oh, love you, Jake. <laughs> when he listens to this in like three months, because he's always like binging it all at once. He's like, oh, I listened to 10 episodes of Bad on Paper oh, today. I'd
0: be like, you had to bring up the Krusty Um, <laughs> Let's you. get out of here. What are you obsessed with? Anything oh, to get I'm away with. from Krusty Nox.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are using um, pretty much the only somewhat recently renovated bathroom in the house, which I think it was probably renovated within the last 20 years, maybe, but, um, it's not ideal. And I wanted to make it feel more luxurious. So I got this thing that Google kept showing me. Uh, it's the Jolie head shower filter. And so it's like a little showerhead that you, not little, it's like a big shower head that you screw onto your shower and it has a filter in it and it filters out bad stuff, I guess. I don't know, but it feels nice. I don't know if it changes the water pressure, but the, the, stream, the stream feels good. I don't know how to describe this. Anyway, and then they send you a new filter every three months and that's all I've got. Nice. But I like it. I'm glad. What are you reading?
0: I read two things. So the first thing I read was And Now You're Back by Jill Mansell. This is the first book I've read of hers, but she is, I think, one of those very prolific authors that has a ton of books. Like, I think she's uh, like in the Ellen Hildebrand category in the UK. I really enjoyed this book, and I don't get the sense that this is among her better ones based on, like, her Wikipedia. Like, I think her she has a couple that she's really known for, so I'm excited to check those out. I bought it because it's a second chance romance, and I'm doing a lot of research reading right now. This is about two teens who meet on a trip in Venice when they're 18 and they fall in love and they have a short-lived like summer affair. And then um, they're from the same hometown, but he disappears and he comes back in his early 30s because his father is dying and his father's dying wish is for them to fix up the old family house that had been rented out. And so he's staying at the hotel that is owned by the woman's family. Really satisfying. Like had a big cast of characters I- in that it was told from many many points of view. Um I I really liked it. I I found it to move really fast. I found all of the different points of view to be really satisfying. So I'm excited to check out more from this author. Sounds good. Yeah, it was really good. So I read that and then I also read Same Time Next Summer by Annabelle Monahan, which is out in June. And this is the same author as Nora goes off script. I need to read and Olivia.
1: I need to read I I need to read both of these. I need to read both both of these. Okay. But I'm very into your post about it. So anyway, go on.
0: Like two or three times a year, I feel like I read a book and I'm like, I'm just gonna start buying it for people in my life. Like, I need everyone to read this. I'm going to evangelize so hard for this book. And this book was one of them. I read it over the course of two nights. I was really worried because it's a sophomore novel. I was worried that she wouldn't be able to follow up her first book, which I really, really liked. It's even better than her first book. So another second chance romance. So it's about this woman who is super straight-laced and has this equally perfect fiancé. They live in New York City, and she takes him to this small, fictional Long Island town where she spent summers growing up to look at wedding venues. And while she's there, she runs into her first love, who is the boy next door, she's kind of torn between this like new version of herself that she's constructed and this like more wild and free younger version of herself that she kind of like put in a box, like trapped in the closet and was like, I don't want to be that person anymore. And, you know, the story is, I mean, it's, it's super well done, but what is exceptional about this book is first of all, the character development was exceptional and it had a, not just the main cast. I felt like There was a really fun side cast in her family. Um, She has, like, quirky parents and uh, two siblings. I really like the extended cast um, as well. And then the writing, the sentence-level writing, there were so many metaphors or just, like, lines in it. I was reading it with a Mm. highlighter and tabs. There were certain pages that were just... I highlighted all of it. There were certain pages that had like three tabs. I was so enamored with this book. I am so excited. I'm calling it now. This is the beach book of the summer. I will be shocked. You've sold me. And I'm usually, you know, a bit of a
1: tougher sell with romances, but you have sold me.
0: This this is going to be the every summer after of this year. Like If this does not hit the New York Times bestseller list, if this is not the beach book, Terrence, beam me up because... (laughs) I am convinced. I, I, I can feel it. I know it. It's so good. It's okay. so good. So this is wow. same time next summer by Annabelle Monahan, and it doesn't come out till June. But you should definitely pre-order it because it's helpful to authors, and they're moving her from hardcover to paperback. So that's a factor for you, FYI.
1: Hmm. Well, I'm intrigued.
0: Tell me what you read. I'm still reading it, um, but I'm reading like
1: ten different things at once because I was trying to figure out what to do for book club next month. But anyway, I am reading Really Good Actually by Monica Heise, which was recommended by Jenny Jackson who was on our spring reading preview 2023. Yeah. What are we calling it? Our last reading preview episode. Monica Heise was a writer on Shit's Creek, so if you need a laugh. It's I guess it's unsurprising that this it's hilarious. I like I read it in a bar last Friday, maybe like 100 pages or something and I would just find myself cracking up sporadically alone like I actually was a little bit embarrassed because I thought the bartender was going to think I was like trying to be like (laughs) like character in my own life ask me about my book (laughs) but it it was really funny it reads to me like essays which probably isn't for everyone but I am it's it's different than anything I've read recently so I'm really enjoying it For March, our book club pick is going to be The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. This came out last year. I really loved this book, and I think there's so much to talk about it. It is about – so everyone wakes up one morning, and on your front porch is a box, and in that box is a string, and each string correlates with how short or how long your life will be. And so the book kind of covers how people deal with that. And it's very interesting, and I think it poses really fascinating questions to discuss and this is a backlist book so you can get it from your local library probably or maybe you've already read it and I'm interested to hear what Becca thinks
0: I'm very excited I remember when you talked about it last year and I was I was really interested and I for whatever reason didn't pick it up so I'm excited to pick it up now and that's all that's all we've got for you goodbye specifically to Terrence
1: <laughs> Terrence the rest only. of you
0: whatever Terence, Terrence wreaked
1: chaos in my life today but I love you, Terrence. Harry.
0: I guess we should tell you where to find us. I oh, mean, yeah, it might that. be outer space next week if Terrence beams <laughs> us up. Um, okay, so you can find us
1: on the alien balloon.
0: Yeah, maybe. I would love to talk to you about this book in the Facebook group. We'll put up some discussion questions and discuss. My brain is melting. <laughs> it's Terrence. <laughs> We're on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Becca M Freeman. I'm at Olivia Mentor. And maybe we'll see you next week. And if not, it means that we have been abducted by aliens. (laughs) What a weird (laughs) running joke we've created.
1: Yeah, it's here we are, but I like it. All right. Great. Goodbye. Bye. Are you there, Becca?
0: This is literally the scariest thing that's ever happened. Can you hear me? If you're wondering why you're listening to so much dead air, it's because Olivia's power went out and she froze. It was definitely Terrence.
1: Well, Terrence, you've made your presence known. I get it. I get it. You want more second-chance romances...